Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more, and this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including Jenna Jacobs McPartland of the Stan Vegan Cafe, who shares her story about love, loss, and how she moved forward after her husband passed away in 9-11. Or last week's episode where I talk education with Christine St. Ville of Moms in Charge. If you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed. And I will be incredibly, 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 incredibly grateful. So thank you. And now for this episode. I'm excited to introduce you to Lauren Chiarello Micah, founder of Chi Chi Life and true positivity champion. Lauren is a two-time Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor who knew she would likely have challenges getting pregnant. Luckily, today she is blessed with identical twin boys, though her road wasn't easy. Lauren shares her story about high-risk pregnancy and some of the hardships she and her family have been experiencing after the babies were born. It's amazing to hear how she keeps moving herself forward and still finds moments of joy. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for today's podcast guest. We have actually known each other for a few years, but when I say know each other, we connected online on Instagram because we are both cancer survivors. Uh, But Lauren has so much more of a story to tell, and that's why I'm incredibly grateful that she's here today to talk um, to us and share with us her story. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Lauren Chiarello. Micah, is the owner and the founder of a company and website called Chi Chi Life, which focuses on her passions, which are fitness, fundraising, and cancer advocacy. She is amazing. She is a two-time Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. And with that comes a lot of challenges. I know that as a cancer survivor, but for many of us, we have challenges with getting pregnant, and then oftentimes we'll have a high-risk pregnancy. And so Lauren is here to share her story about her pregnancy and to give us a few thoughts on how possibly one could make it easier if they are in the same situation. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait for everybody to get to know you. I have loved getting to know you on Instagram and I know your Pilates classes online are amazing too. You are just full of life and joy, even though I know you've been through so much. Thank you so much, Karen. It's really such a joy to be here with you. So I can't wait to dive in and have a beautiful chat. Well, yes, thank you very much. So (laughs) will you start, though, before we begin the actual interview, um, will you tell us something maybe fun about you or something surprising that people, even though you've got a big following on Chi Chi Life on Instagram, um, that people may not know about you? 
Sure. Well, I love to travel, which probably people do know about me, but one little fun fact is that when I was 16 years old, somehow I convinced my parents to let me go on the other side of the world uh, through a program called Rustic Pathways, and it was an adventure camp, essentially, and I convinced my dad to sign off to let me go skydiving. So when I was 16, yeah, my mom didn't know, <laughs> but I jumped out of a plane. I have a video, actually, I have a VHS oh. of it, um, dating myself. And yeah, and so I got to jump out of a plane and land on a beach in Australia. Oh my so goodness. It was pretty cool. So wow. that's kind of a fun fact, I'd say that, you know, I, I don't know if I would let a 16, my 16 year old sons when they turn that age. Of time, I, I do know, that. but we'll see. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of definitely sparked my passion for travel and adventure and squeezing the juice out of life. Now, rustic adventures, are they still around? Yeah. Rustic pathways. They oh, are. Pathways. They, I've, yeah, I've checked into it because this was now literally 20 years ago yeah. and they focus more on, uh, service trips actually. Okay. So it's more like getting into the community and doing some service work. So, yeah. Well, wow. I didn't know that about you. I did <laughs> know that you like to travel, but that mm-hmm. might be where it stems all from. Yeah. So I that's, that's I... exciting. So, <laughs> All right, on more of the serious side, though, I want you to share with everyone, I know you and I have been following each other, and I feel like we are friends. And of course, when we started chatting before this interview, I I do feel like we're friends. But we really are, um, you know, just getting to know each other. And I'd like, as the listeners are getting to know you, if you can share them, maybe take a step back and, and tell us a little bit about your story about, you know, being a two-time cancer survivor, and then which led you to having... Um, you know, some pregnancy challenges, trying to find the right word, challenges, hiccups isn't right, issues isn't right, hardships, I guess, really is the right word. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 23. I had itchy skin uh, and it landed me in a dermatology um, appointment. Okay. And the dermatologist said, um, you know, I think it might be eczema, but I'm not really sure. I didn't really have any of the red, you know, kind of flaky skin or anything like that. But at the end of the appointment, I asked her to also look at this lump above my collarbone, which ultimately uh, led me on a path of going to different doctors to get the diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I totally blindsided. I mean, you're 23 years old, you know, I was about a year and a half out of college. I, I grew up in Northern Westchester, just about an hour North of Manhattan. And I moved in with some roommates, like, you know, ready to tackle right. life yep. and the world I and just so that. excited. And this really sidelined me and I quite healthy growing up. You know, I grew up an athlete. I've been a vegetarian since I was 14 and kind of felt like I was quote unquote doing all the right things. And, um, so went through six months of chemo. I was in remission for six months and that's kind of when my passion for running started. Um, I'd run some like five and 10 Ks here and there, but I decided to run with leukemia and lymphoma society with team and training and train for my first half marathon, which was awesome, great experience, uh-huh. um, beautiful community, crossed the finish line and learned literally like two days later that the cancer had returned. And so a lot more uh, treatment, pretty intense with more chemotherapy. I had a stem cell collection. Uh, so I was luckily, lucky, lucky enough to be able to receive my own stem cells. Um, wow. I ultimately had more chemotherapy, radiation, and a stem cell transplant. So 
I was in isolation um, at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center for almost six weeks uh, during that time. And I was celebrating my 25th birthday in the hospital. And it was tough. It was not easy stuff. Right now, it feels like almost a lifetime ago because I've been in remission for 11 years. But um, there's been like different points in my life, I say, since then that reminds me of how difficult it was to go through something like that, and especially at such a young age. But that being said, it completely shaped the rest of my life. I mean, I think, you know, it kind of goes without saying. I mean, yeah. I think, uh, you know, sometimes people that go through something like that, they either sort of literally want to pretend it never happened and like ne don't even like ever tell people it happened, or I really kind of went the other extreme. I'm very passionate about sharing my story um, because I do believe that it can help others. And then also I work with patients and caregivers to um, help them during their experience. So I've been a patient to patient volunteer at Memorial Sloan Kettering for 10 years and it's been so rewarding. And, um, yeah, so it's that, that's the story with cancer. And I just feel like the fact that I can still work with patients and their families, uh, it's been able to kind of just allow me to still like keep the experience close ish, I would say, because it's so important to remember how fragile life is every day. I really believe that. So going through that experience, so young really allowed me to understand how, how special life is and how precious it is. And to, even when things are difficult to find, um, you know, moments of joy, moments of gratitude. Um, there's just, I think always something to be grateful for. It could be like literally the simplest thing. Like, wow. So simple when things are awful. Yeah. I just often will like just hone in. I'm like, I am grateful for this like warm cup of tea like just the warm cup of tea, you know, it, that was just a little example, but something like that, when things just literally feel like the walls are like cr crumbling down around you and on you, it's just, that's what helps me. But. Well, I, and I will, I will tell you, I agree with you. There's times I've called my best friend and I might be bawling my eyes out and I'm, I'm like, you know, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And sometimes it's really heavy stuff. And yeah. she has said to me before, when we get off the phone, you know, you can finish your cry or you could continue to have your cry. And I want you to just write a list down of everything, everything around you that you're grateful for. And it could be the biggest thing or the littlest thing. And what's interesting is it doesn't necessarily change the problem or change, you know, an, an outlook on a diagnosis, but mm -hmm. it can help you feel like you're surrounded with a little bit more positive energy. So I can understand where, where that would be, you know, that, that you embrace that and that's helped you as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I feel like it's truly a privilege and an honor that I'm still alive. And so in my mind, how can I use that privilege to help others? Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, you are a beautiful soul. Like I said, I can, I can feel oh. it. I said, but you're just so incredibly authentic here on this uh, podcast and as well on all the other platforms you've been on. Now, I know from following you that your story, you married Russ and you yes. guys wanted to, you know, wanted to get pregnant. And that is not a, which is not a sure thing for anybody for that matter. But definitely when you've had cancer, when you've had chemo, it, it's something that could be, uh, you know, could not happen. And I, my, mm -hmm. I myself was very, very nervous about going through chemo and whether or not I was going to be able to get pregnant. So can you share with us your journey trying to get pregnant 
Yeah, absolutely. So I froze my eggs when I was 24. I was very fortunate that I had that opportunity before I started treatment again, uh, that I was informed that financially I could do it. At the time, also, there was a lot of grant programs that you could apply to to get financial support. So I froze eggs. Um, I had 24 eggs frozen, which is like for many, if anyone knows about freezing it, like this with all the eggs. Okay. <laughs> I think I was just like a fertile 24 year old. All right. And did you say 24 eggs at 24 years old? Exactly. Wow. Yep. yep. And they are literally still frozen at uh, Wow Cornell in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so I thought I would potentially need to use those. I really didn't know. Um, oftentimes with the treatment that I went through the second time, um, you're put into early menopause, the yeah. uh, fertility, basically like the chemo, the high dose chemotherapy that I received, really intense and like the specific kind of drugs really kind of destroy both like the quantity of the eggs, the quality. So it's sort of like, I don't really know what I'm dealing with, you know? So my husband and I, you know, we were like, all right, we'll start trying like naturally and let's just see what happens and we'll kind of go down this path, right? So we actually, third month trying, got pregnant. Um, this is in 2018. And I was like, whoa, that was okay. That was a little easier than I thought it might be. Like, could not, you know, it actually just a couple days after my birthday, April 2018 found out. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we were so, so thrilled. Um, Talk about like miracle. And um, I was really excited, learned that, oh, you don't run to the doctor right away when you're pregnant. No, you don't. You have to wait a while. Right. Um, I remember that. (laughs) And, you know, a go when I'm about six and a half weeks in at that point and she does an ultrasound and unfortunately doesn't see any embryo. And I was surprised um, and confused. And she basically said, well, a couple of different things may be going on, but one of which might be an ectopic pregnancy where the embryo implants outside the uterus. And I had heard of it actually through um, a really beautiful soul, Jen Pasteloff. She's a really talented yogi and um, workshop leader and magical human. And she unfortunately had one and she was quite open about her story. And so I'd heard of what it was. Um, It's different than a miscarriage. And uh, so it's unfortunately just a pregnancy that's literally not viable. So it turns out that the embryo was implanted in my right fallopian tube. And I went in um, basically a few days later to do like a full, full transvaginal ultrasound. And I never left the hospital. I had to have an emergency surgery where they removed the embryo, unfortunately, as well as like most of my right fallopian tube. So I then was... um, you know, how to recover from that, both physically and emotionally. And um, also then realized that I only had like one fallopian tube left and I, not such great eggs and, you know, all that. And uh, it was sort of looking not so great to potentially conceive naturally, I felt. And so we started to meet with some reproductive endocrinologists um, and just to see, you know, okay, what would it look like to use the eggs and that I had frozen and, you know, or what, what different tests can we do to sort of just see what the landscape is. And, and so it kind of brought us to the point where we were like, all right, this is back last year, January, 2019, then um, because we just took a bit to recover. My, I wanted to recover both physically and emotionally. And then we started trying again for a couple months. And then I was saying that, you know, my husband, we also like want to, wanted two kids. So I was like, Oh man, like, you know, this could be like a bit of a road. Like let's just kind of explore and get some information. And so we could feel a little bit empowered. And, 
Um, and then with that said, I, you know, we were pretty close last summer to moving forward with going, um, to do a frozen embryo transfer. So basically they would, you know, thaw one of my eggs and then, um, impl- implant, uh, the sperm and then they create the embryo and then they implant it. Right. So that's kind of like not full IVF because like my eggs are already frozen. Right. So they didn't need to collect them or anything. They were already, um, out. And yeah. anyway, so with that being said, we, um, were very close and I, got pregnant naturally. Um, literally we were like a month away basically from moving forward with this. And it turns out that we had identical twins. Um, Do you know, and- I did not realize that, I, I mean, this whole time that I've been following you, I, I guess I assumed that mm-hmm. it wasn't natural knowing that it is really challenging when people have had yeah. chemotherapy or other treatments. And like I said, anybody getting pregnant is a miracle. So, wow. That's- yeah. No, the, I call them like my double miracles because they, they literally are like, and we knew they were identical right away because there was one placenta. Okay. So we like, I went actually, cause I was seeing a reproductive endocrinologist. And so she like, when I called, I was like, um, I was like, okay, I took a positive pregnancy test. Like I, you know, cause or I took the test. It was positive. And so she goes, come right in to my office, let's get some blood work. And so she tracked me from the beginning and we were watching like the HCG levels go up and, um, it just was pretty incredible to, to see. And so when we first, it was blood work for like a couple weeks and then she was like, okay, cause it was literally like four weeks, like immediately when, um, I had period. And then she said, okay, well, you know, now we can do the ultrasound. She goes, I may see the heart, heartbeat. I may not like, it could be a little early, but like, let's try and see. And so we're like, all right. So she's like, okay. She goes, we're in there. And then she's like, okay, see a heartbeat. And we're like, Oh my gosh. And then she's like, well, this is unexpected. Here's another heartbeat. And I just, we were, I mean, jaw dropped, stared at each other. I mean, my jaw's dropped right now. Look, is that what you guys did? So you and Russ are there. Yeah. You're excited to see the heartbeat. And what'd you, and what'd you do? Well, I said, holy shit, actually. I don't know uh, if I could curse on here, but totally. I can't believe it out. Uh, <laughs> but that's really what happened. I mean, Russ, interestingly enough, identical twins are not genetic, so they say, but Russ's dad is an identical twin. Wow. So I don't know if I believe about the yeah, whole genetics. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so, and, and because of the one placenta, so you actually can have identical twins and there could be two placentas. But the way you find out is after they're born, you do typically do like a DNA test to see if they're identical. But with the one placenta, like they know it was one egg that split. So that's how we knew immediately that they were identical and that they were. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So when you find out you have twins, do Mm -hmm. are are you automatically putting this in a high risk? Pretty much. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Definitely with the twins, the the type of twin pregnancy. So it's called mono-dye identical twins. So it's mono-chorionic amniotic. They were in two different sacs. So because of the one placenta, they're actually at high risk for something called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, where one of the babies will just start to receive like all the blood supply nutrients from the placenta, and then the other one starts to not grow. And so we, at the very beginning, um, you know, realized, well, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to like have my babies uh, or baby. I thought there would be one um, at a birth birthing center. I'll work with a midwife. It's like, 
that just wasn't really in the cards. Like okay. I wanted to be in really, really good hands, safe. I wanted to be safe. I wanted them to be safe. Right. And they, we really needed to be carefully monitored um, because of the one placenta, because of the type of twin pregnancy we're having. So we went to our OB every two weeks. Um, I got an ultrasound every two weeks, which is, you know, rare. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, especially in the beginning, was really nervous. Um, I I think as the pregnancy progressed, I became a little more calm. Um, I am a fitness professional, so I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep working, like, while growing two humans inside of me. (laughs) And I, you know, both just, like, for my own physical activity and then leading others, I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know how this is going to go down, but I really, I want to try it, certainly. So I kind of just went through the pregnancy really with not too many expectations. Like I didn't want to make so many commitments. Um, although funny enough, I was signed on to, um, I led a retreat in Asheville, North Carolina over Memorial day. And then that next week, it was such a great weekend. I was like, yeah, I was like, let's do this again. They had a weekend open up in October. I was like, yeah, booking it. I was like, totally let's do this again. Like gorgeous, magical, beautiful. And then I signed the contract and like three days later, we find out we're pregnant basically. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, it was kind of wild, but, and I was nervous because I was like, can I lead this retreat while I'm like five months pregnant with twins? Like, I'm not really sure, but I did go ahead and do it and it went really well. And people were really like kind and wonderful. And actually I felt really good, um, and strong through the pregnancy. So I, kept up with my physical activity. I mean, certainly modified, um, and like took things at a lesser intensity than I had been, uh, you know, uh, that probably goes without saying, but, um, overall I had a really good pregnancy and, um, you know, the doctor was really impressed and surprised. He's like, gosh, he's like, you know, he's like the power of movement and power of physical activity and exercise, um, is so important. So, you know, even with a high risk pregnancy, you still can exercise, you know, a, of course, you have to check with your doctor and all that and, like, make sure because there are some different things that could be going on that, you know, maybe it, it, it isn't the right choice. Um, so, you know, I'll preface that. But for me, he was like, yeah, he was like, if you feel good and, like, all is looking good on this end. So, like, if you feel good, go ahead. So I felt really grateful. And, and isn't that interesting that I feel like we continue to hear hear when it comes to healing or when it comes to being healthy, the importance of being active, whatever that might look like. And I think for you, somebody who fitness has been your passion, it's been just a part of who you are. Um, It went without saying that you wanted to continue doing that. I will also say just the art of having a baby is completely (laughs) grueling in, you know, like the physical aspect of it. And I Mm -hmm. felt like, I mean, I'm not the athlete that you are, but I felt like the fact that I kept active during my pregnancy, I toned it down completely. I mean, basically I was just walking a lot and, Mm -hmm. but I, but I do feel like I, that helped me feel better going throughout, throughout the pregnancy And, and not everybody can do that. And, but to your point, I think it's, it's when you're going through pregnancy, your body's doing all sorts of, you know, weird things and to, to have that tool to use of exercise, whatever you like or whatever you think you can fit in your life can, can Mm -hmm. be really helpful. It really was for me. I mean, I, fitness was a huge part of my recovery from cancer. I, you know, mentioned I started, I fell in love with running. I went on to run many, many half marathons, two full marathons and all while fundraising, um, you know, mainly for Fred's team at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. But it just, 
you know, it, it really is like a game changer. And I think also the community aspect of it was really huge for me too. Um, both like group exercise and then the running community as well. So it's just, for me, I can't imagine it any other way. And like, yeah. even when I know that I do have limitations, like even recovering from my cesarean, my C-section, it's just like, I'm still recovering. I'm seven months postpartum and there are certainly things that I still can't do. And I'm like, I don't know if I will be able to do them. That's okay. But just, I think that piece of acceptance but and knowing like, you know, how knowing your own limits and knowing, you know, how can you push yourself? And I think for me, it's just, I firmly believe in the power of exercise and movement, um, whatever that looks like. And taking that time for yourself is critical, both for your physical well-being and longevity, but also for your emotional well-being. You were talking about community and all this, and I really want to touch upon that with your cancer, you know, diagnosis and treatments, and then on to being pregnant. And I I will tell you, I have a friend, Michelle, that had twins a number of Mm. years ago. And she said to me, because she was a, a a good friend of mine, and she's like, it is. I mean, of course, I know it's different having twins than it is in having my one you know, boy, but she was like, Karen, it's a whole nother boat. And I needed a new support system for that as well. Mm-hmm. And so can, you know, will you share with us how even now after the babies have been born, you've, there's been some challenges, how, you know, caregivers and support and community has helped you and what you suggest for, to other people in terms of embracing community. So for me, um, I was supposed to deliver the boys um, a week after they ended up arriving. So we went into my OB appointment and it turns out that Jacob wasn't growing, um, twin B. Okay. And so it was time to deliver them. (laughs) We were not ready. We didn't have the bag packed, all the things that they say you're supposed to do. And (laughs) there they went. And um they, uh, Jacob and Vincent, so Vincent was twin A, Jacob was twin B. Um, they considered Jacob IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restricted. So he was um, a lot smaller than even they had like measured him. He okay. was three pounds, 13 ounces, and Vincent was five pounds, three ounces. So there was a pretty big weight discordance. And they both had some kind of, you know, minor issues, I'd say, like starting off, like they were in the NICU right away. Uh, Vincent ended up in the NICU for 11 days. And then Jacob went on to have actually pretty extensive health issues. He uh, struggled with low blood sugar. He struggled with low motility. Basically, he had um, a huge belly. His belly was very distended. So anything he was eating was not properly going through his digestive system. We didn't really know what the cause of that was. Um, He also had um, elevated liver function um, uh, tests. And so he had a high bilirubin and there was something wrong with his liver. Um, They, something called cholestasis, which basically means that the bile is not leaving the liver um, as it should be. And that's what causes the high bilirubin. And there were all these sort of layers with his issues. Um, When he was one week old, he had to be transferred um, to a level four NICU over an hour away. Um, so we literally, my husband and I left Vincent in the mm-hmm. NICU and like got in an ambulance and just oh. drove like over an hour away out to Long Island to Cohen's children. And, um, it was so challenging. I don't even know how to describe it. I, 
it like feels like an awful nightmare. Um, and he ultimately came home. And so they were home. Um, it was 25 days in the NICU. We came home for a week and we knew we had to get his liver issues checked out. So headed up to Connecticut Children's where there's a really amazing hepatologist there, which um, is basically um, a liver specialist. And he never left the hospital. Um, the low blood sugars were extremely dangerous for brain development. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything needed like all sorts of things. So then they thought he had biliary atresia, which is a liver disease. Um, and ultimately he needed surgery to determine that. So he was basically at four different hospitals before he was even eight weeks old. Oh um, gosh, and yeah, so, and Vincent was still home. We had family come and help and, Jacob eventually came home. I, you know, I could, could talk about it for a long, long time, but basically he um, luckily did not have biliary atresia. Okay. Um, the surgery, he, he, uh, it was a test basically called a cholangiogram. If it's a sec- success, then he does not have biliary atresia, but we were basically at one of the, we're at New York Presbyterian, which has like a really incredible um, pediatric liver um, team, um, even for transplants as well, which he would have needed eventually um, had he had biliary atresia. So it just was just a wild wild, wild ride. And he was on something called TPN, which helped get his nutrition because this perfect storm. It's just, I could, like I said, I could talk about it for a long, long time, but it was extremely difficult to have Vincent at home and Jacob in the hospital. And I was trying to, you know, I'm pumping seven times a day. I'm nursing Vincent when I'm home. Um, You know, then they thought Jacob may be you know, was having a reaction to my breast milk. So let me stop that. And he has been on formula ever since. And it is, you know, something that has helped, you know, helped kind of regulate him, which is good, but he still has liver issues, but slowly, slowly and steadily, um, he was, came home on a feeding tube. He, um, you know, it's been off of that since mid-May, but, um, it was just a very, very rocky road. And I'll say that, the power of community. Again, I was once, you know, once again reminded on uh, how important it is to lean into the support because um, those first few months were probably like even more difficult than my experience with cancer. I was terrified that Jacob might not live, um, and also just wanted to make sure he was in the best hands possible yeah, with the right, best care. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I'm absolutely speechless. There's no way I can relate or draw upon any experiences to even understand at all what you've been through. Mm. Uh, I mean, you speak about it from a, it sounds like from such a place of love. And I guess I can understand that as a mother, right? Like, but to have been, you know, my one little baby, you had two. And so you're like, you know, volleying back and forth between caring for the two of them. So I am, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm so sorry for the depth of, of, of hardship that you've been through. Mm. Uh, I mean, thank you. Appreciate that. How, how did you sleep at night? And I'm assuming a lot of times maybe you didn't. No, no, there was not much sleep at all. <laughs> uh, I, my husband would sleep at home. I would sleep in the hospital and then mm-hmm. we would switch we overlapped usually like two hours in the hospital. Um, so when we were in transit, um, so someone obviously always had to be home with Vincent. So my aunt, um, helped out for three weeks. Um, then Russ's mom moved in with us for a month. And, um, also my parents are nearby and my sister. So the supportive family was incredible friends as well. Um, 
so much kindness. Um, you know, I have a friend that works at New York Presbyterian. She would come and bring me coffee and breakfast Uh and Mm -hmm. just like the most simple things were so appreciated. Um, kind cards and just all this different outreach and people really, to be honest, like all walks of life, like I'm such a firm believer that people come into your life at certain times, like just when you need them. Truly. I had an old colleague, um, from my time when I used to work at Memorial Sloan Kettering, I worked in the fundraising department, um, and, and actually I still do work there. I came back and work at the integrative medicine center. I teach exercise there. So I'm a cancer exercise trainer there, which is pretty cool, but I digress. Um, but she came sort of out of nowhere. I mean, we still have kept in touch a bit, but she sent cards and would text me and just like, I feel like people just, you know, when you're going through a difficult time, like they under, there's a certain type of people that understand and get it and know how to show up for you. Um, and it's, it's pretty powerful. It's really the only way that I got through it. I just had to keep taking one day at a time and moving through these tiny steps and victories and the progress that Jacob's made over the last few months is like, has been such a privilege to witness. It's, truly incredible. And he's just so strong. They, my boys turned seven months today. I guess I don't oh. know when this will air, but uh. <laughs> their, their seven well, month birthday is today. Right. right. Okay. And, yeah. and from what you've said, they're both doing well, all things considered. Yes. Oh, that's, yes. Yeah. yeah. Jacob still has some issues with his liver that yeah, hopefully will not- continue to resolve. Um, but yeah, they are strong boys. They're like 17 and 18 pounds. Jacob is catching up. <laughs> so. And and very closely catching up. Well, I'll tell mm-hmm. you, okay, anybody I think who's a parent often will say, the days may be long, whatever that looks like, and yours were clearly incredibly long, uh, but the years fly by. And, mm-hmm. you know, to think my son is 11 right now is wild because I can close my eyes and remember when we were taking that drive up to Yale New Haven Hospital when I was in so much pain and going in labor, right? It, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but the time, right. you know, it, it's, um, I, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing and I'm, I'm very grateful and lucky myself, um, yeah. you know, that I, I too, you know, after cancer was able to get pregnant, um, but incredible. So, so you are, can you talk to us a little bit what, about what you're doing today? Like what makes you happy and, and what you're working on right now? Sure. So it is a new landscape in this pandemic. Yes. So lots of virtual goodness happening. I uh, started to teach um, mainly Instagram live, and then I just transitioned to teaching on Zoom. So I lead Pilates fusion classes twice a week. Okay. And it's when the Pilates bar and yoga. Yeah. And basically it's mindful movement. My hope is that people leave feeling energized, stronger. It's not going to be the hardest workout ever that you've had. <laughs> That's not my hope. My hope is that you feel strong and and have a lot of, um, you know, just positive energy. So I always end, start and end with mindfulness okay. and also end with a, a inspiring quote or passage. So I really try to, you know, just bring some sunshine and joy to people through movement and through exercise. And these classes are totally free for the cancer community that um, are anyone who is a patient or a survivor caregiver, nurse, doctor, like literally anyone in the cancer community, just send me a note and I'll set you up with a code. Um, And I launched a monthly membership 
and you can become a Chi-Chi lifer. So what that means is you receive um, unlimited classes. So all the classes I teach during the month, a couple extra special um, workout videos that are um, exclusive for Chi-Chi lifers, a um, little swag bag, and then you're entered to win a monthly drawing for a private class for you and a few friends. And then I'm also going to be leading virtual retreats um, in the future. So Ooh. special discount pricing on wow. that. So yeah. Super fun. And then if you are part of the cancer community, you can join um, for just like the one, the one month price. But yeah. basically you'll have like lifetime forever access. So it's $45 a month. And then for the cancer community, it's just a one-time investment of that. And you can just be a Chi-Chi lifer forever. So well, that's amazing. I hope it's to continue. Yeah, thanks. It's thanks all to continue your, to grow. Right? <laughs> it's, it's fitness. It's mindfulness. It's about being grateful. And it's it's also serving the community that you are a part of and that you want to help. Yeah. As well as anybody else. I mean, we all can, you know, no matter what is going on in our life, mindfulness movement really helps with stress reduction and gratitude, oh of course, is, is yes. something that, as we even said earlier in this, this interview, really is, um, can be such a helpful tool in living a healthy life. And with that, I'm wondering if you <laughs> would play the grateful game. I feel like I need a little bit of like, um, you know, drum roll, please. Yes. Or a little cheering. Do you hear a little bit of my noise in the background? Like, woo, podcast soundboard. I thought that was kind of <laughs> silly and fun. So the Grateful Game is something I've, I've told you. I know that you had said that you've listened to some previous episodes. And for all the listeners out there, it is one of my favorite parts. I mean, I guess I just, I love podcasting. I love listening. I love being a host. I love being involved in it because it's like, it's people sharing stories and it's us connecting. And I've already thought of some ideas actually for you and I to talk about after between um, the Chi Chi membership and Happiness Through Hardship, the book. So we will circle back on that. But um, yes. but that's what this is all about. I think, you know, like-minded folks, um, you know, we want to inspire ourselves. We want to inspire others and we want to be joyful. And gratitude is really, uh, uh, has been really helpful for me in, as I said earlier, tapping into when I'm having a bad day or having a long string of them. And that's something that I've been trying to pass on to my son. So most nights before bed, Kyle and I will play what I call the grateful game, where we'll give each other a certain amount of time. In this case, I will say 30 seconds. Um, I'll give myself 30, I'll give you 30, and then whoever has the most, what they're grateful for, and why. And, you know, after 30 seconds, whoever has the most wins. So you ready? Okay. Wait, I will start out saying them. I'm um, confused. Yes, <laughs> I will. I will start out so you can follow my lead. Okay. I okay. will. Everybody who's listening, I hope that you guys will take a moment within our 30 seconds to think about what you are grateful for, but I'll start out and, okay. and you can follow my lead. I'll give myself 30 seconds and then I'll toss it to you. And so today, okay. What I'm grateful for is, um, you know, is my son's both Little League and his travel baseball. During this pandemic, as most people know, I have been very strict on social distancing. I'm wearing a mask everywhere. I'm really not going public places except for outdoors at a distance. And so baseball has been, and my family's been doing that a lot too, but it's a place where my son... Um, you know, we believe it's it's been safe for him. It's been safe for me. It's been safe for us. And I am really grateful that he has, it's something he just loves tremendously. And so it's been amazing. And then my second point on that is that he's been playing for another team within like the 
there's a whole set of teams within the team he plays for, and he's been playing on another one and filling in a little bit. And one of my best friend's son plays on that. So that's been really beautiful the last two weekends that he, um, you know, he, that I got to sit 10 feet apart from one of my best friends while our kids have been playing ball with each other. So I think there's my 30 seconds, and I have two. So I'm going to toss it to you. Okay. Today, I'm grateful for my son's turning seven months. Yay! I don't know if I really, um, you know, envisioned that this day would come. I think each month that they um, continue to grow bigger is just really, really special. And they're just, I'm so proud to be their mom. It's such a gift. And today, my husband and I took them on a little hike um, in town here. And so we were just like walking around a beautiful lake and within these gorgeous trees and like Vincent started sleeping and then Jacob started sleeping. And so we just had these sleeping babies in our little carriers and it was really special. And then we've been without power for like six days, seven days. So, um, it came back today and that was really exciting. Oh my gosh, I'm very three. grateful for power. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, that's I'm great. really grateful to talk with you. Well, um, that is four in 30 seconds. So you win if it matters. I don't okay. know if it really does matter, but um, I, I thank you. I am, I am incredibly, I'm grateful for so much and I am, I'm so thankful that you're willing to get on the air and to, to share your story because there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, and they don't have to just be cancer survivors. There's a lot of people that have a hard time with pregnancy. And so to hear from somebody that's a survivor, that, that has a success story. And when I say a survivor, just like a survivor in life, like we all sometimes mm-hmm. just need to get through the day. And even though your story may be different than the next person's and the next person, like when we're able to hear from somebody who's gone through hardship and was able, you know, and now is like, you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but to be able to have some tools and find some ways to be able to find joy is, is really, um, you know, is really, it really, I, I think it's a great thing. So thank you for coming to us today and sharing your story. Thank you again, to all the listeners who come back or for those of you that just found us today. Um, I'm incredibly grateful because, um, because of you guys, I get to do what I love and hopefully I'm able to give back and help you guys help yourself or help others. So, um, I'm going to end on that note, sending everybody out big virtual hugs. Have a great day. Have a great evening. Have a great morning, whatever, wherever you're listening to us. Um, and Lauren, again, um, Thank you for joining us. If you want to follow her, all her information will be in the show notes. And she's at Chi Chi Life. So bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. And now my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. As you heard in today's episode, both Lauren and I talk a lot about how life is precious 
And Lauren shares about overcoming cancer two times and how she believes it's a privilege and an honor that she's even living. And so it's so important for her to help others. And she does, and she does it often. She shares inspirational posts on Chi Chi Life New York City and offers free Pilates fusion classes to cancer survivors. So please check her out on Instagram for more information at Chi Chi Life NYC. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.